we're going to continue to plow in some things this morning. Amen? How many know where we are a campus church? We have been only around for six months. I know the building's been here. I know there's been ministry in the past. But One Life Church particularly has only been here for six months. And how many know it is exploding and we have a lot of plowing to do? Amen? Amen. So let's, let's continue to do that this morning. Ecclesiastes chapter 2 verse 9. He says, for two are better than one because they have a great good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falls. For he hath not another to help him. Again, if two lie down together, they have heat. That must not be a a, a scripture for married couples because women never have heat. Amen? They trying to suck the heat out of us. Ain't that right, men? Amen? Tell my wife all the time, she really don't want to hug me. She's using my heat to pull it out of me. You know, because chubby guys, we got heat. Amen? All right. Y'all can laugh. Y'all chubby too. I look around. All right. Again, if two lie together. <laughs> hey, listen, I'm in a good mood this morning. Let's do this. Again, if two lie down together, then they have heat. And how can one be warm alone? And if one comes against him, two shall withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. I want to plow a little bit this morning. I want to teach a little bit, and I want to use our phrase that we do all the time about do life together. Look at two or three people behind you, beside you, in front of you, and look at them and say, let's start doing life together. Let's start doing life together. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I want to reiterate that as you begin to see around the room, I can't say this enough, that our belief is that we do everything in three E's. We do everything with experiencing God, equipping believers, and engaging the culture. I want you to grasp that. I want you to have that vision down deep inside of you, that these are not just there to look good in a window. They're not just there to block out light. Uh, for services, but they are there that they get the vision down deep inside of you so that it doesn't just, just keep the light out, but the light penetrates the darkness. And how you know we got plenty of darkness to invade in the world, amen? And, and the reality is within that, we do several different things. And, and, and over the last few weeks, beyond just a, a, a experience and equipping and engaging, Uh, we have also been talking about what type of church we will be. We will be a church of praisers. Amen. We will be a church of praisers. How many know I, I can't say this enough because I am a praiser? The Bible talks about that when you have seen someone come out of the fire and pluck from the fire, you'll understand why there's a fire of praise onto them. And when you know what someone's going through or has been through, you can see it from their praise. Yeah, Uh, that if you've been through hell, but heaven's still got a hold of you, how many know you'll lift up a praise 
down deep inside of you because of what I've been through. I, I got to say, if y'all ain't read Justin Cavender's post from yesterday, my good God, you ought to just go and look up Justin on Facebook and just because I've been rejoicing through that, that when hell can't get a hold of you, my good God, when hell can't get a hold of you, when heaven gets a hold of you, you're a radical believer down deep inside of you, not because of what you can do for yourself, but what God can do for you. And how in the world can somebody else judge me for my praise when you don't even know what I've been through? It ain't you that pulled me out of the fire, but it is God and God alone that pulled me out of the fire. And so because of it, I've got to lift up a praise. I've got to lift up a worship because he is worthy to be praised. I also believe this, that when when a church praises, it it brings unbelievers to a place of repentance. Because people are trying to figure out why in the world are you so excited about that thing? Yeah. Have you ever been around some, around some people and, and you know what? You don't even like their team. You don't like them, but they're so excited about it that you begin to get swayed. That's why there's so many fair weather fans when people win Super Bowls and championships because everybody's so excited about it. Everybody's so excited about that player that you want to get a part of that team. But you know what? The best team that you can possibly get on is Jesus because Jesus is better than anything that you can possibly grab a hold of. And so when we have people that raise up his voice, that worship him, that praise him, have you know it will draw men to a place of repentance because they'll say, what I'm doing is not better than this Jesus that they keep lifting up. And so they lift up the name of Jesus and say, God save me. Oh, my goodness. We have all these things. We've been talking about plowers and, 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 and builders and dreamers and, and, and all these different things that God is wanting to us to do in the region. Last week, we talked about being multi-generational, multi-generational, that we will just not be an old church. We will not just be a young church, but we will be a church of every age because when the ages link up, that when the young grab hold of the hand of the older, having no their there is an anointing that rests inside of it because together we can do more together that listen the young people can't do it all by themselves and the older can't do it all by themselves but we've got to link up together we've got to stand together and say we will do this because there is a region to be one this week, I want to talk to you about something. It's, it's our catchphrase. It's our vision. That's what we do. We do life together. You'll, you'll not just hear that, but the closer you get into this church, the farther, just from the parking lot and, and to where you finally get into a place where you go through growth track and you get on the serving themes, you will begin to find out that we do life together. You will find out we will do life together because having no, we are made to do life together. Yeah, God said he has built us relational. Even from the very beginning, Adam was relational, that God would come down and he would speak to him in the cool of the evening. And he, when Adam began to disappear, he said, Adam, where are you? Because even our God is relational. He's so relational that he didn't just want to be the father, but he created the son and the Holy Spirit. And he also created ones that would come into his intimate presence and be a place of worship. Because even our 
God is relational. I want to let you know that the greatest witness that you can possibly do, I know that we have done a lot of things in the kingdom of God over the last 2,000 years, and I know that we have done every single form of evangelism possible, and I know the greatest possible one in the 70s, 80s, and 90s was a little tiny track. You'd go up, and you would have a little cartoon on them, and you would see the person burning in hell in, tra- in the track, and that, that little form of evangelism worked for a while, but having no People are relational now. People are connective now. People want to connect. That's why Facebook has blown up. That's why Twitter has blown up. That's why Instagram has blown up and Snapchat. Because people want a way to connect one with another. They don't just want your track. They want to know and see the Jesus inside of you. And the reality is they don't need to even hear a whole sermon. They just need to be around your life. Yeah, They need to see the Jesus it has been said, and I love what our Bishop Matthew says, that, that, that the world has heard about Jesus enough. It's time for them to see Jesus in us. They need to see it in our marketplace. They need to see it in our workplace. They need to see it in our families. They need to see it in our neighborhoods. That they see the Jesus in you. They see it. And the reality is, there's a statistic out there that 80% of people would come to church and get to know your God if you would just invite them. Yeah. We invite them for everything else. We invite them to events. We invite them to to Tupperware parties. We invite them to 31 uh, uh, book bag parties. And we invite them to It Works. And we invite them to all kinds of stuff. But when it comes to Jesus, somehow the believer shuts his mouth when we have the greatest investment in the whole entire world. And I'm letting you know that your neighbor, your family, your co-worker, they want to hear from you about Jesus. Reality is we were built to do community. We were built to do community. We were built to build to do community. And when you begin to take that word and you begin to break it down, it means a calm unity. It means a common union. That we have a common union between us. That's why when you see a town or a city, they live in a community. Isn't it funny that we only use that word for nice towns? Right. That that's a community over there. Because when the people are together and they're unified and they do a work that no one else can do, we, we label them as a community. And we come together in common unionness to begin to accomplish a thing. Regardless of what that is. And the reality is he has made us in One Life Church to be community. He has made us to have community not only in the church, but in the city. That we do life together here, one with another, but at the same time, we don't just stay within the four walls, but we take our common unionness and we go out into the community and we begin to serve those like Jesus served us. Just back at Easter, instead of competing with the city, having you know, we have a big chunk of land here. We could compete with the city over anything we wanted to do. And so, instead of competing with them over an Easter egg hunt, because how many know we could have a big Easter egg hunt? We have acres everywhere. 
But instead of competing with them, we locked arms with them and served beside them. And we said, we don't want to compete with you. We want to complete you. We want to be in the city. And all of a sudden, all of our life groups from both campuses got together, and about 100 people showed up for an egg hunt. What was amazing, as I looked around the city and over in that corner, they had no volunteers at all in Nitro. None. I don't know how on earth they were planning on running an egg hunt with thousands of people showing up with nobody to run it. Kids acting crazy, mama's acting mad, dad's just looking for the cotton candy. Uh, but it, 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 was, it was a disgrace. And the reality is, I don't know what they had done if we had not shown up. And what's amazing is that there was this unified effort of all of these green-shirted, one-life, crazy folk showing up, saying we're lifting up the name of Jesus. And I want to let you know that I don't want to name them who they are, but as we were giving out books uh, about our testimony, if, I, if you haven't read it, please stop by and get one of our books. It's testimonies in our church. But they went home and began to read the stories, the testimonies in it, and came to church the very next day and said, if there's hope for them, there's got to be hope for me, and gave their life to Jesus. Why? Because we went and we went from community in-house to a place of community in the community and we begin to serve like Jesus. We did it because we do life together. I, I never forget that over the weekend that it was, it was Bert's graduation and, 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 you know, we have put a lot into Bert. I mean, we all put a lot into our kids. We do. Uh, I saw this post the other day that it said, uh, so-and-so made it. Well, we made it. <laughs> because how many know you'll do anything possible to get your kid to that point? Anything possible. You'll do the homework for them. You'll be up writing papers. They, they're getting credit for the papers you wrote. Right? They're telling you at the last second things they got to do tomorrow. And it's like this huge project that will take 10 hours. And somehow, at 11 o'clock at night, you got to run to Walmart, get all this stuff together, come back, get it together, and they get an A or B on it, and you're the one who did it. But how many know you'll do it because you're invested in them? You'll do it because you'll love them. No matter what has to be paid, you'll pay it. Come on now, you won't even eat. You'll put yourself to the side, and you'll do all these things to put them first, to get them to that date. And what's amazing is that, is that you know, we, we've done a lot for Bert, and he's done a lot back. But here, we got to the point where over last week, he, he ruptured his Achilles tendon. Did not look like he was going to make it to the graduation. And, and the reality is, is that here he went. And what's crazy is that they had to go up eight steps to graduate. And not just one time, he had to go down it. Once, back up again. Down at once, back up again. And I was like, this is a marathon about to kill this boy. And what was amazing was, is that I, me and Ellie were trying to plan, how are we going to make this happen? How are we going to get him to this point where he can just get the diploma in his hand? But you know what I found out is that when we finally got there, here come a bunch of rallying students, students, a bunch of friends that got around him. Even at one point, the principal had him around his neck carrying him down. The thing. 
And I want to say this, that two years ago, he was ready to quit that school. Two years ago, he didn't like it. He didn't like anybody. He didn't feel like he fit in. But here, two years later, through friendships, through bonding, through eight hours of doing life together with a group of students, now rallied around him and said, this ain't just about you, but this is about all of us, and we're going to carry each other to that point. You understand what I'm saying? And so there is a point where I want to read this verse to you because I thought it was great. In John chapter 13, he says, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples, and if you love one to another. A lot of times we think that people will know us as a Christian based on the bumper sticker on the back of our car. They'll they'll know us as a Christian by the cross around your neck. They'll know you as a Christian by the screensaver that comes up when you ain't using your computer. But Jesus said, no, 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 that ain't how they're going to know you as a Christian. They're going to know you as a Christian because you do life together with somebody else. Because of the love you show. So many times we, we put so much emphasis. And listen, I believe in the gifts of the Spirit. You know me. I'll speak in tongues with the best of them. Come on now. I, we'll, we'll have a, a whole altar of people slain out. We'll, we'll, listen, I believe in the gifts of the Spirit. But if we do all those things without loving one another, if we, if we speak in tongues in the church and cuss each other out in the parking lot, we have missed the mark. But we have got to do life together where we are all one. Just like in Acts chapter 1, you begin to see that they were all one. It's not good for the pulpit to be lifted up and somebody in the back falling apart. But no, no, no. We've got to all pick one another up and say we're in this thing together and we're going to make it to the end. We're going to make it to the end. And you'll find out on serving teams and in life groups and, and all these different things that you will find out that no one is lesser than the other. There is no big eyes and little U's. But when you are going through something, we lift you up in prayer. When you're having a bad day, you can get on a group me and say, Hey, guys, I'm having a bad day. Lift me up in prayer. Hey, this just went wrong in my life. But you know what I also found out? It ain't just about the bad days because I believe in Christians having some good days. And you can begin to say, Hey, this great thing happened. Hey, this rejoice with me. And all of a sudden, you won't have a bunch of haters around you, but you'll have people that are rejoicing with you even while they're waiting on their promotion they'll begin to look at your promotion and say i am rejoicing with them because my time is coming the bible talks about when jesus came back from being crucified uh, uh, resurrected and ascended he came back and on the earth he began to find two men that were talking about him walking down the road And in the verse, it talks about as they talked about Jesus, Jesus went near them. And so, so many times, what we want to do is we want to get off to ourselves. And we want to get in a corner. And don't get me wrong, we need a prayer closet. We need a time to where God is speaking to just us. 
But the reality is, a lot of times, we need a place where we are doing life together. And as we begin to speak about Jesus, he begins to draw nigh to that situation. The Bible says where two or three are gathered in his name, there he shall be in the midst. And what we want to do is, is we don't want to tell anybody about our good things because if I tell people about the good things, they'll begin to hate on me or they'll begin to look at me in a certain way. But no, no, no. You're in a group of people that we celebrate one another. We celebrate those that are coming into this church because you are getting closer to purpose. First Samuel chapter 18. Let me read these scriptures to you. After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. From that day, Saul kept David with him, and he did not let him return home to his family. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off his robe, and he was wearing it, and he gave it to David along with his tunic and even his sword and his bow and his belt. Whatever mission Saul sent him on, David was so successful that Saul gave him a high rank in the army that pleased all the troops and Saul's officers as well. It says there that as David and Jonathan were talking, they became one in spirit. And he loved him as himself. Like I said there in John, that if we don't have love one for another, the spirit will not dwell within us. He may use us for moments, but his love will not be there. And the reality is, God wants us to have a love one for another. But you know what I found out? The Bible says that this greatest commandment that shall be with you, he says to love your neighbor as yourself. And so many times, we can't love other people because we don't first love ourselves. I'm talking about, t- about 50 people right there. We can't love somebody else because we don't first love ourselves. So we struggle because if I give love and they get too close to me, they'll begin to know me. They'll know my faults. They'll know my flaws. They'll know what I say when I'm mad. They'll know what I say when I'm in in bad traffic. They'll know what I say when my kids are getting on my nerves. They'll know what I say. They'll They'll get to know my past. And if they know my past, they'll judge me because they know the church me but not the real me they know the church me but not the real me but how you know god wants to bring you to a place the church you and the real you is one person the church listen i don't plan on preaching a whole lot today if you're looking for something to preach listen to a couple podcasts ago the real you and the church you has got to line up because how you know god accepts you as you are he says, come into my presence in brokenhearted, in, one, in the spirit that you are in. And as you are in my spirit, I will begin to fix you. I will begin to change you. I will begin. To, you know what I found out about your neighbor that you're afraid to tell something about? They're just as jacked up as you. I knew it was going to be quiet in here today. That's all right. They're just as messed up as you, but you're so afraid to say, I got all these problems going on i got all these issues going on that you look so together and I look so torn apart by myself. But he says, until we become one spirit, one with another. 
I want to say this because it said that David did not return back to his family. See, you've got to get people around you that are, that are like who you are. It's not about getting people around you that are like your issues and saying, well, I'm negative. I need 10 more negative people around me. I'm divorced. I need to start a divorce group and we all need to be together. I, I'm, I got an addiction, so I need to get around a bunch of addicts and we all need to do addictions together. But ain't how life works? We are drawn to those that our issues are most like. That's why abused people continue to get in abused relationships because they are drawn to the abuse and the dysfunction. But this is the thing. You've got to get around a group of people that may not be like you, but they may have a different issue than you. But y'all are going to do life together in Jesus. And say, together, we're going to do this until we both overcome. We're not going to stay in this mess. I know that there's this weird thing going around the church where we're like, well, you know what? Uh, God accepts me just the way I am, and I don't have to change. But you know what? God brought you into his presence to change. Uh, Yes, he accepts you the way you are, but he wants to take you from your mess and make it your message. Uh, He wants to take you from a test and make it your testimony. He wants to grow you into a thing where you look back and say, I used to be that. I used to be that. So David said, I won't go back to my family, but I'm going to stay with Jonathan with the king. Why is this important? Because you have to understand that David came from a household of shepherds, but he was anointed to be the king. It's going to get good now. He was anointed to be the king, but he came from a house of shepherds. If he had stayed with Jesse and with his brothers, even with the anointing that was resting on him, he would have never made it to be the king. If you will examine the people that are around you, your friendships, the people that are closest to you, if you will examine them and say, it's a statistic that who you give your life to around you will become your future. So if you're always around negative folk, you will stay negative even in your future. If you're always getting advice from a divorced folk about your marriage, guess what? You can go ahead and guarantee that in the future you're going to get a divorce. If you are broke and you're always getting advice from other broke people, I know, girl, yeah, I ain't got two pennies to rub together. I know, I can't even do this. Listen, if you're always around that, you'll never become greater than who you are. But if you are meant to be in the king, and you were meant to run the kingdom, you can't stay around shepherds in the field. But you've got to get around some people that understand kingdom work because there is a kingship inside of you. 
And so you've got to say, no, no, no. When I got saved, my blood is different. Yes, my blood may be this blood of a Sparks. My blood may be the blood of a Barrett. My blood may be the blood of a Smith. But when I got saved, my blood changed. Because now I am the blood and the heir to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's why when you get saved, there should be some kind of change inside of you. When you get back around your family, you can't fit in to the mess they were once in. Come on now. You can't fit in with things that were once around you. That's why friendships don't feel the same anymore. That's why relationships don't feel the same anymore. That's why being around your mom and dad don't feel the same anymore. Because there is a new blood inside of you that is pushing you. And you've got to get around some kingdom-minded folk like Jonathan to pull the king out of you David that he may place you into the kingdom one day you got to stop going home you got to stop going you got to stop going home and determine I'm going to be around a new group of people that's why life groups are so important because it's a safe place for you to fall apart yeah I, I learn more about people in life groups than I ever do preaching from the pulpit. I see talent in people that they don't even know they even have. I see I see interest in people that they don't even know that they have. And I'll get in these life groups and I'm like, my God, I did not know that about them. And I don't mean just like, oh man, they were abused. That's good. I'm talking about like, like I'll never forget at this one life group, really, really quiet guy, really kind of a, he was from California so imagine quiet and California put together I don't want to go farther than that but he was an odd character and and I'll never forget him saying I'm a social worker what and I remember learning so much about him that if I was just seeing him from the back pew I would have never got to know who he was and as I got to know him And as we begin to grow together, there's a kindred bond. There's a woman in our church that literally, she was from Jamaica that we never knew. She was raised in Jamaica and lived in New York and was a part of our life group. One of the most interesting people I've ever met that eventually, because of the army, she moved into another state. But we still keep connection with her. She even offers to let us go to Jamaica and stay in her beach house. Thank you, Jesus. See, you don't know who you're going to meet in life group. You may get invited to Jamaica. <laughs> and, and in it, we built these relationships that were three years ago, but yet we're still carrying on the relationship today. And if you're around people that are constantly dragging you backwards, you've got to change your group. You've got to change your life group. That life group didn't get you to a point They've got you to a place of failure. They've got you to a place of rejection. They've got you to a place where they accept your negativity. But you need to change your life group so that your life begins to change. I like this here because it says there in the verse that Jonathan gave him everything that he had. He gave him his sword. He gave him his tunic. He gave him his belt. He gave him his robe. What he did was he placed all of his authority, and he said, now I'll place it on you. 
See, when you get in these life groups for eight weeks, you begin to do life together. So no matter what you're in need of, we are one. We become one in these life groups. We become one to where everything about me is now yours. No, not my bank account, not my checkbook, but my time. Because having no money is not the most invested interest. But you have my time, which is the most valuable to me. And now you take my time, which is my authority. And now you have me for those moments in eight weeks. You have it to where there's someone invested in you, where when you see Jonathan, now you see David. We are one in the kingdom. And the best part of what it was, was that in the last verse there, it said that everything David went to do in the future, everything he put his hands to do, began to be successful. Isn't it ironic that Jonathan gave him everything that was private to him, and he gave it to David, and David become successful. Let me say this. Is that Jonathan had lived with the king for however many years that Jonathan was. He was the king's son. He knew the strengths of the king. He knew what got Saul's attention. He also knew what made Saul mad. He also knew what, when you come in his presence, what would turn Saul's head. He also knew how to talk to Jonathan. Because having you know with people and, and higher, you got to know how to talk to certain folk. And Jonathan said, everything I learned in a lifetime, I'm going to give you in a moment's time. You're not hearing what I'm saying. Everything that he had learned in a lifetime now was given to David in a moment in time. See, that's why you've got to get around certain folk. Because, listen, if they're successful in certain things, you'll get insight to what they learned. And you ain't got to go through the pitfalls of what was going on. And so many times we say, well, you know what? If I'm in church and that person right there, they're successful. They seem like they got it all together. They seem like things are going on for them. And you know what? And so what we do is we shriek back out of intimidation and we say, well, I can't really get around that person because they got it all together and I don't. No, no, no. What you need to do is get up close to that person, however that may be, in a life group, in a serving team. Listen, if, if Justin doesn't play the guitar nearly as well as Rob, which I don't really know. That may be reversed, but messing with y'all. But if John, if Justin's having these struggles, instead of shrinking back and saying, well, Rob's better than me, I shouldn't really ask him. No, no, no. When someone has more experience than you and they've had a lifetime of learning, you get up close to them and you say, hey, help me to stop struggling and teach me in a moment what has taken you a lifetime. I want to throw this in here. That's why it's so important to continue to read. I know this ain't nothing to do with doing life together, but that's why it's so important for you to where a lot of times people say, well, I want to be mentored. I want the anointing that's on your life. I want to know how did you become that? Well, you know what I found about successful people? They don't really got time to give you. But when they write books, they are giving you Every single thing that they learn through a lifetime of pain, and they're showing you how to get out of it. Come on. 
the great preachers, the great theologians, the great successful business people of the world, instead of looking for your opportunity, constantly have your mind in a book and say, how in the world can I grow into the very thing that I want to grow in? But in this moment in time, you have this opportunity to begin to say, God, help me to grow in life groups. Help me, because what I don't know, I can learn in an instant of time. Stand with me this morning. This morning, we're going to be signing up for life groups. And I, I didn't just particularly preach this today because we're signing up for life groups. But I did this today because that is the very heart of one life. Is doing life together. We do life together in every single thing we do. And you're saying, well, you know what? I ain't, I'm not sensing that yet. Well, my question is, have you taken the step to find out? Have you taken the step to go through Grove Track? Have you taken the step to get a part of a life group? Have you taken the step to get on a serving team? Have you taken that step? Yes, it's going to cost you sacrifice. It's going to cost you some time. It's going to cost you some effort. But you know what I found out? Is that after a period of time, your life will begin to change. And you don't even know how it changed. All you did was change your position. You changed the very thing about you. You changed it. I want to say this because I got a friend. I don't want to name his name. He's not in here. But every single time I go on a diet, he calls me to go out to eat. Every single time. He's a big boy. I mean, I'm talking about like 450. Big boy. And I love him to death. One of my greatest friends in ministry. I love being around him. But I know when I'm on a diet, I can't be around my boy. Because my boy drags me backwards in that area. He lifts me to Jesus. But he always takes me to BW Wings and messes me up every single time. And so when I know, Brian, that I'm on a diet, sometimes i got to ignore that call. <laughs> you got to be around the people that you want your life to grow into. And it doesn't mean you dismiss people, but what happens is you see the strength in them, and you say, that person's great for this. But I know when I get around him, I'm going to go to BW Wings. And so when I'm on, I can't be around him then, but I can be around him in this situation. You understand? The Bible says to be you in the world, but not of the world. And yet, I, I want to say this because we have a lot of freshly saved people. And I don't know the situations you're going through. But if you know every single time that person calls, you end up in that situation. Maybe it's in the wrong bed. Maybe it's in a club you didn't want to really be in. I know this is real, but we're going to talk about it. Maybe it's around wrong friendships, and maybe it's around some wrong situations. And you got to learn to push ignore when they call. But at the same time, you got to get around some folk that's going to get you strong enough so that when they do call, you can pick up the phone and say, hey, I know usually when I'm around you, we do this. But guess what? When you're around me now, we're going to do this. We're going to do something totally different now. And I'm going to get you to the very thing that's changing me because now I'm strong in Jesus. And now I'm going to bring you to Jesus too. 
You got to learn to change your life group. You got to learn to change your situation. And somebody's saying, well, how in the world am I going to get to be better being a part of an exercise program? How in the world am I going to be better running a couch to 5K? How in the world am I going to do this in a board game? Because the people around you will change. And, and people around you that become godly. Yeah. That when they're exercising, they're still quoting scripture. My good God. Because I don't know about you when I'm running and I purposely have let myself go for y'all. So we can do this together. But we're going to be saying, I am more than an overcomer through Christ that strengthens me. It is he that gives me strength in my weaknesses. Come on now. Pushing you and pushing you. To all of a sudden, eight weeks later, you won't even recognize the person that you see in the mirror. Bow your heads with me. Father God, I thank you, God, today for who you are. Father, I thank you, God, that this is not just a catchphrase for us, but, God, this is our life at one life. For, God, at one life, we do life together. We believe in it wholeheartedly. We believe in it, God, from us as the leaders, God, all the way back to new people, God, that come to the door. God, that we do life together, God, even with them, God, as they come to the door, God, we put them in our prayers. God, we invest in intercession, God pouring prayer over their life, God, that purpose may be revealed. But we thank you, God, that life is doing life together, God, in life groups and in servant teams, Father God. And we thank you today that, God, the most important life that we want to do it with is you. God, we want to get hooked up some folk that, God, that can get us closer to Jesus. God, that can get us closer to Jesus. Father, we thank you. And God, I declare right now, God, if there's someone, God, that don't know Jesus right now in this room, God, they will begin to receive you right now in their heart. God, that life will begin to change right there for them in their heart, God. God, that an acceptance will begin to flow in and through them, God, that shifts their life forever. Father, I thank you. Father, I praise you, God. In Jesus' holy name. Amen and amen. Amen. You may be seated. I got to do one more thing before we leave. I know we're doing things.